Richie Wexler from Vintage Annals Archive. Welcome to our podcast, the Vintage Annals Archive Outsider Podcast. I'm very happy to be here today. Uh, we have a guest, Gabriel Kaplan-Mayer, who did this amazing book called The Little Gatecrasher. Um, I also owe them apology, an apology. We unfortunately had to sit with this for a while. We made some changes. Uh, I was working a lot with Dr. Thunder, and we kind of went in different directions. He's been great for us. Uh, but we just kind of did had different things, and then this unfortunately kind of got lost in the shuffle when I had to start, you know, doing a lot of this on my own. But I'm glad we could put it out. Uh, thank you, Gabriel, for being patient with us. Uh, I'm excited to release this. This will be released on our general podcast and on our Jewish uh, Jewish Vintage Annals Archive Outsider podcast. Um, I'm just going to read the book. This is about a book she wrote called The Little Gatecrasher. I'm just going to read the kind of intro, and then we will start. Um, you've never met anyone like Mace Buggin. He was 43 inches of an unstoppable spirit and energy. Mace was a first-generation Jewish-American born in 1915 when society had low expectations for children born with differences. But Mace was smarter than most. Over the years, he learned to effectively turn what society in those days called a handicapped into a powerful tool he could use to his advantage. Over a period of three decades, using his unique combination of guile, cunning, Handicap and sense of entitlement, Mace engineered photos of himself with some of the biggest celebrities of his day, among them Muhammad Ali, Jonas Salk, Jane Russell, Sammy Davis Jr., Joe DiMaggio, and Richard Nixon, all featured in the book. The Little Gay Crasher tells the story of how Mace became a self-made millionaire and a pillar in his Jewish community, and how his progressive mind and family gave him the confidence to lead a charmed life. So, here you go. Enjoy. <music> Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today. I, uh, I saw a few uh, interviews and videos that you made and uh, read a bit about the book, but yeah. I'm, I'm coming in fresh. I, I have not read it. I found it um, that I already own it on uh, Scribd. I don't know if that gets you any dough, though, so I can always go on uh, Amazon and, uh, and order a copy. Oh, that's so cool. I don't, it probably doesn't, but you know, this <laughs> life of indie authors hmm. right yeah we're not in it for the money but every book sales <laughs> nice <laughs> well our, you know our audio is sounding good if you don't mind we can just uh, get right into talking about stuff you know oh yeah, yeah that sounds great uh so just you know for a little background for uh any future listeners uh we're talking about a uh what looks like a great book little gate crasher that uh gabrielle wrote about your uh, great uncle, am I right? Yes, Mace Bugen was my great uncle. Mace Bugen, uh, who was um, in the age before uh, Instagram, a uh, kind of a professional uh, selfie artist, celebrity selfie artist. Yeah, we called him in the book the first celebrity photo, you know, selfie photo bomber, because that's really like what Mace was setting up in his pictures, making sure that he was front and center in these in these images right he seems like uh, uh, quite a character and <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you have some uh, memories of him as such uh what, what do you what do you remember from um uh your childhood yeah so you know great uncle mace for folks who haven't seen 
the the images or read his story was born with a kind of dwarfism he was born in 1915 so he grew to be 42 inches tall and with you know with dwarfism he he had an average size head but his torso was small yeah so he you know the kind of dwarfism that he had uh, you, to imagine how it in, impacted his body he had an average size head, but a smaller torso. So his his limbs were small, um, and he had he had a hump on his back. So um, when he was younger, he was very you know mobile and got around easily. As he aged, of course, having that type of skeleton, it was it was harder, and he he used a cane. But still, until the end of his life, he was very mobile. So, you know, as someone who knew him literally since birth as an uncle, I was used to him. I didn't think of like, oh, here's something that I have to get used to, or this is different or strange, or like he didn't scare me or something. And I think that that was the advantage of just being raised with someone who happened to have these physical differences so i remember uncle mace as just being this super fun adult in our life you know he was different from other adults he always had gum and candy in his pockets for us he lived next to my grandmother's in a in an apartment that she designed with an architect to have everything to scale for him oh wow um, yeah and there are pictures in the book of the apartment so for my i have a sister who's two years older than me and a younger brother but for my sister and me especially you know as little kids we would run into his apartment because it's like, you know, I say it's like Goldilocks and the three bears. We'd find the seats that fit us, you know, and the fridge and the toilet and the bathroom sink, like everything was to scale. So for us being young kids, it was magical. And Mace was very kind and he would always vacate so that we could have a playhouse. I got to say that that sounds like a lot of fun for kids and I'm sure he enjoyed your enjoyment of it too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Alex. So he would take us, he had a Jeep with specially designed pedals and he would take us for ice cream and he took us to the circus and he loved being out and about. He was an extremely social person. So it was just like always a great time being with him. It sounds like uh, even besides, you know, the celebrity selfies and the photos that you've included in this book with all these uh, uh, great celebrities, he sounds like he led a, a fascinating life. Uh, you said he's a, a self-made millionaire. Is that right? What what business was uh, he in? Yeah. So, you know, um, he came of age like in that World War II era in terms of being a, a young businessman. And so in the area where he grew up in the like Lehigh Valley, Phillipsburg, New Jersey, Easton PA, you know, connected by the bridge, um, he bought up properties. He bought up, um, you know, rundown kind of homes. 
And when vets were coming back from World War II, didn't have employment yet. And so he would hire people to, you know, to do construction and get the homes ready. And then people were also looking for affordable housing. So oh, wow. he so he started out that way, buying and fixing homes, as we say today, flipping, right? And then he had a lot of rental properties. He some people couldn't afford to buy the home. So he would he would rent. And then he started basically like a full service brokerage where he was the notary republic. He was the insurance agent. So you get your life and real estate insurance through him. So he was really the full service deal in a small town. And he was very, very modest. He personally lived a very humble life. He wasn't extravagant in any way. So, you know, he was a child of the depression and he just put those savings away until, you know, he, he was uh, very successful in his business. Wow, that's that's fantastic. And I, I've got to say, we, we've got a connection because I think we both live in Philadelphia. I've been there for mm -hmm. over 20 years. But uh, my dad also lived in Phillipsburg for, you know, a, a couple decades. Uh, so I, I've been there quite a bit to there in East End. And even in my childhood, we'd go to Phillipsburg to the mall to see movies and, uh, you know, eat at the Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, so I know that area very well. And, and it's it's great to have that interesting connection. Next time I go back, I'm going to have to look into, are, are there any like markers or, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where to go. There's a really nice museum in Easton, right in the little downtown area called the Siegel Museum. And they have an exhibit that they put up to actually show the diversity of the community because you know people might not realize like there's so many different ethnic groups that that came and contributed to that area and so in the section on the history of the jewish community there there's um some great photos and references to mace in the permanent oh, wow. there at the siegel museum so go check that out Siegel Museum in, in Easton. That's fantastic. I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, so yeah, um, the 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 book. I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some of the uh, celebrities that he had his um, uh, picture taken with. If I can find the list, uh, Muhammad Ali is right on the cover. I see, and Jonas Salk of uh, the polio vaccine. Uh, Jane Russell, Sammy Davis Jr., Joe DiMaggio, Richard Nixon, and I I, I saw in some of the photos you sent us. Uh, Uncle Milty, Milton Berle was in there. And and it seems like a big collection. Do you know about how many photos? Oh, Ella Fitzgerald, wow. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty, it's really extensive. Um, so he loved, he loved entertainment and music, but he also loved sports. So, you know, we've got, you know, there's Mason, Babe Ruth. I mean, it's so, when I found out about what you do, Alex, the, the vintage photos, you know, pro probably one of the oldest photos is Babe Ruth. I say it sort of spans like about a 30 year time period from most of the photos like 1945 to 1975 or so is, you know, Nixon is probably one of the last celebrity photos um, in terms of politicians. But, um, oh yeah, Art Carney, you know, all the people who were 
who were the showbiz mover and movers and shakers, you know? And I think it's really interesting with a lot of, of course, Larry Holmes in terms of boxing. Yep. Joe Lewis, I saw on there. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Lewis was the first. That was actually in the 30s, Alex. Joe wow. Lewis. And the beginning of the book, I detail his first rush with fame which is when he got on a bus. He was still a teenager. He hadn't even graduated from high school. And he wanted to see Joe Lewis's first professional bout, which was in Chicago. He got his older brother. This was behind his parents' back. He's never traveled, been somewhere without his family before. And here, he takes an overnight Greyhound bus to Chicago, lands in downtown Chicago, and figures out how to get to the south side, to the casino where this boxing match was happening. Wow. Makes his way into the match, ringside, and actually jumps into the ring and has this, I won't give it away because it's the beginning of the book, but has this personal encounter with Joe Lewis and he's caught on the RKO newsreel. So at that time, again, we think of um, pre-television. This is how people went to the movies with their you know, little savings they had, usually on the weekend afternoons to go to the movies. And that RKO newsreel was was very important up to the date news. And so here they have this little story about Mace jumping into the ring and Joe Lewis winning. And so he became a celebrity in the Lehigh Valley. He became a celebrity. And that's what got him like, ooh, you know, fired up to pursue these kind of uh, photo opportunities. Oh, that's that's fantastic. And and do you get the sense that maybe because of that notoriety from those RKO newsreels, maybe he was able to get in more places and meet people? Did they know him? I think somewhat. He 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 was like a figure. Uh, the title of the book, The Little Gate Crasher, comes from uh, Walter Winchell, the go gossip columnist, referred to him as Mace Bugen, the one who crashes through the gate and at all these major sporting events. So certainly he, he was a figure about town. I think if it was today, you know, and all the social media we have, he would be viral, you know, TikTok, whatever, he, he would be like a viral presence. Um, but kind of the fun and the, the cool vintage thing for us to like understand is, this was such a different time and people did not, if you caught a celebrity in a photograph, right? And you were lucky enough to go see Milton Berle perform live or something. You didn't try and insert yourself into that photo. You know, maybe you left with taking off to the side a photo of someone like that. But, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, I mean, he, Muhammad Ali, I tell the story in the book, the cover photo, he was actually escorted out the back. He was coming to do a talk um, in Allentown. And it was during the Vietnam era when he was speaking out very vocally against the war. 
and there there were just a ton of protesters that arrived at the event and it was escalating the tension was escalating and they actually said we got to get him out of here and uh mace met him out back and before he got into his limousine mace made him stop and do the photo with him so it was that kind of like what i referred to it in the book there's a yiddish word chutzpah you know just a kind of nerve pluck and like mace had that do you, do you get the sense that uh he kind of benefited uh from his size in a way that uh people were were interested when they saw him and saw him like say rushing into the ring or you know jumping in the way of him escaping into his limousine you know Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. As I, I write about this, it's really interesting. Like he, he flipped it because in the world at that time, you know, there was no consciousness about respecting people with physical or other disabilities, right? There was none. And in fact, he received personal uh, staring, jeering. I write about that in the book, epithets, you know, even in uh, one of my relatives, you know, I would speak to like my mom's first cousins, as well as my mom about their experience growing up with me. And I remember one of the cousins saying, you know, how awful she felt being like, you know, a 10 or 11 year old child and walking around with Mace and like a group of teenagers would just walk by and say like, hey, shrimp or, you know, they, just all his life he experienced this and i think that kind of treatment could make someone really go internal and hide hmm. with mace it was the opposite it was like well you're gonna treat me this way i don't care about your opinion i'm gonna make my own rules and so that's really what he did wow that yeah that's an incredible story um and uh yeah he sounds like an incredible guy to have known i i'm, I'm trying to imagine just going to a, a a family gathering and and having mace there telling all these stories of meeting these uh, celebrities these sports figures and actors well you know the cool thing about that alex we have recordings of mace it, I, I can send you a recording if you want we've got them digitized but he um he he also with media today with just what you're doing a podcast he loves speaking with people and he had that gift of the interview and so he would do that with us when we were little kids so oh, wow he tells stories but i think that's why i know for myself as as a writer as an author i'm always super comfortable like I never get nervous in front of the camera or anything like that. I think because from the time I was little, he would just be handing me a microphone and like, tell us about what you're doing in kindergarten or whatever. And like, it was really important and like he would listen. And so it, he was really cool that way as well. Wow. Well, I'm sure, you know, doing these uh, kind of uh, stunts with uh, celebrity photo bombing, uh, I'm sure he was used to being around reporters doing that same exact yeah, thing. Maybe he well, he would actually, um, some of his photos he would get because he would impersonate being a reporter. He would walk up to whoever was giving out the press passes and just say, I write for a paper in Jersey and demand his press badge. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's incredible. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I, I must say doing a, a podcast like this is kind of an excuse just to talk to interesting people that I'd love to talk to. It's an, it's a great excuse. Yeah. I know you have some other books. You have a book on uh, journaling mm -hmm. and uh, another on autism. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I've written a number of nonfiction journalistic books. Um, I'm working on a new man manuscript that's actually a much more personal memoir about my own spiritual uh, discoveries and transformations. And I, I teach online workshops about expressive writing. So really encouraging people who've maybe never written before um, and not necessarily have the ambition to write an article or to write a, a book, but really that art of, of discovering um, creative expression and the and the the power of storytelling so uh that's what i'm up to right now oh that's 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 great and uh this is a good task where can people find you is it uh gabriellecapler.com am i pronouncing that the way yes gabriellecaplanmayor.com it's all one word and that would be and a that's kaplan with a k yes uh, well, that's great. And and what what do you do in terms of uh, uh, storytelling? I know our our friend uh, uh, Kevin Allison from the Risk Podcast that we work with uh, has the Story Studio where he helps people form their life stories into something that they can present live. Is that sim similar to what you're doing, or? No, I'm not doing something in such a um, sort of a craft or format oriented thing. I'm really my workshops are much more focused on kind of um uh that f really finding that inner voice and and finding um finding that uh creative flow and really just getting people into the process of of inquiry through writing hmm. and seeing seeing what emerges oh that's that's that sounds great um I might I might look you up and and see if I, I can join one of these classes. I would love to come, Alex. I would love that. It's really it's a great community. People who come to it are it, it's just a very cool community of people. And is this like a regular monthly or weekly Zoom or how does it work? Yeah, I've been doing um series of four in a row workshops, and I do four a year. So um, my next one will be starting in October. I, I do some one-off workshops. I had been doing some like first Monday of the month type of thing, but I found that even if you can devote yourself to a four week period and it's like, you know, one Thursday evening, you know, so it's not like so intensive, but it really builds. It really, the, the creative expression and the momentum builds. That's great, that's great. Um, well, yeah, I'll have to go to, your, go to your site. Once again, it's gabriellecaplanmayor.com. Yes, there's a place where you can sign up for my newsletter and then you'll get all the info. Okay, um, I, I do have some more, some more questions. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm wrapping up, uh, if, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, and and I should mention here that uh, people can book you to come and speak uh, at events. I love to speak, yes, and and I love to speak about Mace and the book, and I have pictures, and and it's it's a lot of fun. But I have other, you know, I also love to talk about 
spirituality, creativity, parenting, etc. So uh, info on the website. Oh, great. And, and I'm picturing uh, when you talk about Mace and you mentioned the photos, do you do kind of a slideshow presentation? Yeah, I do. I do. So even if people haven't read the book yet, I say yet, because hopefully they'll want to read the book. Um, you know, I kind of start with some some uh, family photos, his journey, and then we get into Joe Lewis and what happened. And I make it like really audience participation. And it's it's just a great time. Uh, so I'm going through my family's history and documents and photos. And you obviously knew your great uncle Mace uh, growing up. But what inspired you and at what point did you decide, oh, this could be a book, I should, you know, encapsulate this and record his life? Yeah, so this, I have to say, this really was, the inspiration was my mom, who was, who was Mace's niece. And, you know, he was such an important part of her growing up. And after Mace died, my grandmother, who was his older sister, inherited the photo books and after my grandmother died they were at my mom's and you know whenever my siblings and i would be home whether it was thanksgiving or another occasion we would just end up looking at them and talking about uncle mace and my mom just was like these are too good like this should not just be in my living room the and because i was the writer of the family she was just like it's time. <laughs> like, here you go, go do it. So um, I'm really grateful that my mom had that vision. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a big responsibility, but it's also, it, it seems like a great honor. Yes, yes. Yeah, it you know, I, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, yeah. one piece, and I write about this, and I, I, sh- I mean, I don't write about it in the book, but in the book, we had one decision to make, or rather I did, but I spoke to my mom about the decision. Um, during Mace's life, what was nice about writing the book, he was interviewed by a lot of reporters because he was such a well-known figure. So I had a lot of like source material of you know his quotes, his perspective, his this, his that, which was really cool. He had done one interview in like the early 70s in Harper's Magazine and it was something I had read over the years that my grandmother, you know, everyone was really proud of. It was such a great interview, except that there was like black Sharpie marker that, that had gone over a couple of sentences. And so it was like, Grandma, what, what's this? And she's like, I marked that out. That's not, don't read that, you know? And I'm like, as if we got older, like, Mom, what was that about? And mom was just like mace talked about his personal life in a way that grandma didn't agree with and he basically the he got very close with the journalist who did this beautiful profile of him and he asked him about his sex life and at that time in the era where he was living you know things were so restrictive and in that small community i guess for a uh woman of an average height to date someone like Mace would have been like a stigma or something you wouldn't do. So he had all these women friends and, you know, he was very sociable, 
but he didn't have a girlfriend and you know like he's a human being and so he just basically said like when i wanted to have sex with someone i would go to this prostitute and this is the place where it was and my grandmother thought that was really shocking and um in the book i wanted to move past that stigma um, I actually spoke to a friend of mine who's a very well-known sexuality professor. And I said, I think the thing to do is to be able to share this. And he said, absolutely. It wasn't anything shameful that Mace was doing. He was getting his needs met. The shameful thing was that our society did not regard him as someone who could be a legitimate partner to someone because of his size. And so um, I think it, I, it was a responsibility because this was a family story. And it was like, oh, I had crossroads that I had to meet in terms of thinking about this, the story as I view it. Wow. Yeah. Did you uh, manage to track down that article and see the blacked out sentences? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's, you know, there's some interesting angles to this because of course he was your family member who you knew, uh, you know, the, the book, um, is kind of centered around his, uh, celebrity selfies. Uh, but it's also the story of, a, a person from the kind of the middle half of the 20th century, I guess, uh, as living as a little person, and as a Jewish person, what was his uh, relation to faith and his Jewish community? Oh, he was he was super involved. He was really a person of faith. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that when he was born, doctors told my great grandmother, he will maybe live to be age 10. And so I think that his parents had a sense that when he was actually healthy. He had this disability, but you know, sometimes because of the compression of internal organs and so forth, um, you know, some children who are born with with different kinds of dwarfism could have a lot of medical problems. And in those days, they didn't have surgeries or anything to help it. But miraculously, Mace didn't, and so he. He was healthy until the end of his life at age 65. And so I think he just had a, a great sense that life is a gift and he didn't feel entitled. And um, I quote him from, from one of the articles and he said, I never got angry at God. This is how God made me, so that's it. Wow, what a great attitude. Uh, he, he sounds like a character and, and... I'm, I'm picturing myself reading this book and I can't wait to, you know, get to know this person because uh, he sounds like quite a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he'll be someone, Alex, that like, if you're having a down day or whatever, you could just be like, all right, I, I got to get a little Mace Bugin going on here. <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that attitude, that, that chutzpah, as you put it. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there any, uh, you, you mentioned the newsreels, is there any footage online of him like jumping the rope lines and? Oh yeah, I can't, yeah, there's actually a YouTube video. I, I Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you that shows his antics in the rings. 
That's great. That's great. Yeah, somehow, um, someone put it on YouTube, like who knows when and yeah. Very cool. Uh, anything else we should know? Anything else you want to promote? Of course, you, you mentioned a book you have uh, coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, where, where can people find your books? Is it best to go to Amazon and search Gabrielle Kaplan Mayer? Yes, that is always, always easy. All right, great. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me. I mean, uh, you know. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. <laughs> thank you so much, Gabrielle. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for checking that out. Um, uh, this is our just about our 65th episode. Please check out the rest of our library of episodes. There, We've had some amazing, amazing people. Um, I'm going to keep it simple here and just say thank you for listening. Please check out the podcast. Please share it. Um, it's you know very hard to get the word out. We, we're not, I'm not a celebrity yet. Yet. Uh, I don't have a lot of money to pay for this stuff. I, I teach full-time, and I put some money that I can afford into this. I do photography that helps me kind of pay some of the bills, but, you know, um, we're not really in it for money. That being said, without money, it's hard to get it out in the world. Um, so we really need word of mouth and any help you can do, you can give to, uh, you know, share it, tell people about it, tell people about our, our website, vintagehandelsarchive.com. Instagram, Finish Channel's Archive. It's really appreciated. And if you have some money and you want to give it to us, we will take it. We will need. We need it. Uh, I believe in paying people, and I've have been able to pay editors for a bunch of years. And people, and sometimes I can throw some money uh, for artists. And I try to, you know, we try to take care of people here. And it's it's hard when it when you don't have a lot of money. Um, so if you believe in this, it, it takes a good, it takes money and we could really use it. So yeah. Anyway, um, if you go to our website, there's a page about donations and stuff. There's, we have a Patreon. You could donate that way, but we, we definitely need some help. So thank you.